Hey, friends, what's up? <laughs> Good to see you. <laughs> what's going on, friends? How you doing? Welcome back to Babylon Talmud. Today we're studying Daf Chav Zayin, Daf 27 of Masech De Be'ov. Friends, today's Daf begins with sort of a conclusion of the question that we started at the end of yesterday's Daf, which is, um, is there a concept of something being muksa for um, just part of Shabbos, or once it becomes muktzah for part of Shabbos, does it become muktzah for the entire Shabbos? Uh, we sort of wrap up that question, and then we get uh, into the question of, can you, well, back into the question of, can you check out a Bechor for Mums on uh, Yom Tif? So we get into that. We get to a new Mishnah. If you have a animal that kicks the can on uh, Yom Tif, it dies. So are you allowed to move it, or is it muksa? Um, that's a, obviously an interesting question. And then we get at the very end, we have a, a another Mishnah which discusses how exactly you can sort of go to the butcher on Yom Tif to, to to slaughter an animal for you and your friends. So of course, that's also very interesting. Friends, we're gonna start on Dafchav Vav Mubez all the way at the bottom, last line on the page. Amr Ribzer, ooh, says Ribzer. Toshma, come in here. Mipulin vadoshim, come in here from beans and lentils. Doapulin vadoshim meikara chazu lachus. That when it comes to beans, when it comes to lentils, so initially you can eat them raw if you want to. I guess you can eat them raw. Okay. Shadinu bikdera idchulu, and now you put them into a pot. And now while they're boiling hot in a pot, you can't eat them. They're boiling hot. So they're basically muktza as long as they're being boiled. Gomer bishulayu. And when you finish cooking them, chazulu, they are now fit for once again. So Reb is saying, look, on Yom Tif, we're allowed to cook um, beans and lentils. And yet if we think about it, beans and lentils, you can eat them raw. So they're fit. Initially, you can eat them as they are. They then become muksa for a while while you're boiling them and they're boiling hot and you know you, you can't currently access them in their current state. Once they're then finished, you know, and, and, and they're finished cooking and I guess you let them cool down or whatever it is, and now you can eat them. So they go through this stage where they're basically unusable, muksa, and yet they then become edible at the end. So therefore, Abzer wants to argue from the fact that you're allowed to cook and eat beans and lentils on Yom Tif, Mimele means that that if um, something becomes muktza at, at, at one point during Shabbos or during Yom Tif, um, it, it doesn't become muktza for the entire Yom Tif because we see that at a certain point, these beans and lentils are sort of unusable while they're boiling and cooking and but they then become edible and mutter to eat um afterwards so we see ein muktzah lechatzi shabbos omar lay abaye abaye responds to abzera now you know i was beginning to come up with a theory i was starting to think that there are takatur abzeras i think maybe i was thinking about that in Masechta yoma maybe then that this would make sense that abaye that there was a abzera sort of around the time of rava and abaye so Abai is now responding to this Rebzerah as opposed to the Rebzerah who was a contemporary of Rabba and Rav Yosef. I don't know if you would respond 
I don't know if Abai would necessarily respond to to to, to that Rebzeira in this way, especially since that that Rebzeira was a contemporary of Abai uh, of Rabban Rav Yosef. He moved to Eretz Yisrael, and Abai was in Bavel, and so so anyways, it's, um, he must have been Abai must have been younger. I don't know if he, the young Abai would respond to that Rebzeira, because I think that there may have been another Rebzeira, and that's what Abai is responding to. So Amale Abai Abai says to Rebzeira, when the time according to you. Tikshilach kederes de alma. Ooh, So Abaye asks a gishma, a gavaldiga kasha against Rabzeri. He says, wait a second, Rabzeri. Rabzeri. Think about every single Friday afternoon. What happens on Friday afternoon? Dostam kederes de alma ben ashmoshes roschosein. That, what do you do? You want to serve chicken, <laughs> excuse me, you want to serve chicken soup on a Friday night. So you take the pot full of chicken soup. And you boil it, you boil it, you boil it until Shabbos starts. You take it off the stove at the last minute. And then, so that way it'll be hot for your Shabbos Suda. So what do we see? That Ben Ashmoshes, that when Shabbos starts, it's essentially Muxa. It, it's not usable. It's too hot right now. And yet, at night, at a Shabbos Suda, we eat the chicken soup. So, so what, so what do we see? So we see that clearly something, you know, clearly something is off over here. Meaning, we can't claim that while something is too hot, it becomes muktza, and don't bring rias from there, that ain't muktza lechatzi Shabbos. Because, if that's the case, then how do you understand, you know, cause, cause every single, you know, whenever you have, Anything that's hot, when Shabbos comes in, and when Shabbos comes in, it's too hot, and according to your logic, Rebzeri, that would be considered muktzah, which means that Bein Arabayim, that Bein Ashmashus, when Shabbos comes in, it's muktzah, and yet we still eat it that night. So rather, Elagamru Bidei Adam Lokami Bayulun. No, when it's talking about something that's in our hands, such as cooking food, if I wanted to, I could have just taken it off uh, the, the, with, with the flame a little bit earlier if I wanted to. And it would have been done. What, what, what we're talking about is something that's out of our hands. For example, making raisins. Making raisins, you know, it, it's ready whenever it's ready. You know, you let it dry for a while in the sun until it's ready. There's not really much that we can do as opposed to like making soup. You could take it off the fire, the flame whenever you want and it's done. So... So, so, so Abai says, look, what, what, what we're interested in knowing about over here is, um, you know, is there muqsa al-khatsi Shabbos on something that is sort of not in our uh, hands to, to determine, so that we just gotta wait until it's ready. And, and, um, we, we don't have an answer. We don't seem to have an answer for that. From Yehuda Nisiyah, Oh, so Rabbi Yehuda Nesiyah, who is Rabbi Yehuda Nesiyah? If I'm not mistaken, he was the grandson of Rabbi Yehuda Anasi. So Rabbi Yehuda Nesiyah, Havle'ahu Bukhra, he had a Bechor. Now, what's interesting about this is, of course, uh, Rabbi Yehuda Anasi's family comes from the um, Shevet of Yehuda, if I'm not mistaken, from the Shevet of Yehuda. So he was not a Kohen. He was not a Kohen. And we're saying, Rabbi Yudin Nesiyah Avaliyah Ubuchri had a certain Bechor, and as Rashi points out, what was he doing with the Bechor if he wasn't a Kohen? Vayu lo beveso kohanim smuchna al shuchan of ochlin Bechoris. 
Well, at his uh, house, there would always be Kohanim around and, and they would eat Bechorus. So he had Bechorus around for the Kohanim who would hang out at his house. Fine. So he had a certain Bechor. And on Yom Tif, he sent it in front of Rabami so Rabami could uh, have a look and see if it has a mum or not. A mum kavua and can they slaughter it and enjoy it. Sover Now, Rabami was saying, look, I'm not going to look, I'm not going to check out, uh, you know, I'm not rowing mumin on Yom Tif. I'm not going to check out to look and see if this, uh, if this Bechor has a mum uh, on Yom Tif. Which is like Rib Shimon's opinion in our Mishnah. Where was this Mishnah, anyways? Uh, okay, in yesterday's daf. Fine. Omele Rib Zrika Vitemer Abirmia. Now says Rib Zrika, says Rib Zrika, some Takaseus Abirmia, he says to Ribami, Rib Yudav Rib Shimon Alachuk Rib Yudav. That friends, we learned to Mesech the Erevin, that when you have Machlokas between Rib Yudav and Rib Shimon, the Alach is like Rib Yehuda. So if that's the case, Rib Yehuda in our Mishnah at the top of Chavav Muralf that we saw yesterday, Rabbi Yudha says, yes, we are rowing Mumin on Yom Tif, that we do check out Mumin on Yom Tif. Rib Shimon says we're not, but Lemaise, when we have Machlokas between Rabbi Yudha and Rib Shimon, we're passing like Rabbi Yehuda. So therefore, we should be checking out uh, animals to see if they're Mumin, if they have a Mum on Yom Tif. So how come Rib Ami is not looking at this animal to see if it's a Baal Mum? So, uh, Rabbi Yehuda Nesia then sent the animal in front of Rabbi Yitzchak Nafcho, and he also said, look, I'm not going to look at this animal on Yom Tif. Says Rabbi Yirmiya, some say it was Rabbi Zerika, so he says to Rabbi Yitzchak Nafcho, Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Shimon, the same thing, I don't understand. When you have machlokas between Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon, we're passing like Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yudha says that we look at Mumin, that we inspect Mumin on Yom Tif. So Bitzchak Nafcha, how come you don't want to look at this animal to see if it's a Baal Mumin? Gevaldik. So Rabbi then says to um, Rabbi Zerika, My time is lo shavaktinu l'rabon shimin. So Rabbi says, No, Rabbi Zerika, what are you getting so worked up about? What what what's in it for you? Like I don't know. Why, why are you getting so excited to 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 to, to, to support Rabbi Yehuda to back up Rabbi Yehuda? Not like Rabbi Shimon. Okay, so Yitzchak Nafcha, Rabbi they wanted to pass in like Rabbi Shimon. Okay, we know the the Gemara Memvav of of Masechta Erevin that says that Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Shimon, Allah Rabbi Yehuda. But um, okay, so he's passing like Rabbi Shimon. What do you want me to tell you? Leave him alone. So, oh, so I said, Amr Rabbah, my time at Loshava, Tinu Rabban, the member of the Kerb Shimon, Amrle. So, Zuka responds, Vat ma biodor. Nur Baba, what do you know that I don't? Amrle. So, Rabbi says, Listen. Hochyam Rabzera. This is what Rabzera said. And this is the, this is the Alter Rabzera. The Rabzera is a contemporary of Rabban of Yosef. Halacha Kerb Shimon. That Halacha is a Kerb Shimon. So, Rabbi says, Look. Reb says that the Aloche is like Reb Shimon, and that is why, and that is why um, we're passing like Reb Shimon. Because yes, even though we do have a principle of Reb Yudah Reb Shimon, Aloche Reb for some reason Reb felt that the Aloche is like Reb Shimon, 
That's why the Pasuk like Rib Shimon. Now, Omar Mandu, a certain fellow, said, that maybe one day I will merit and I will be able to go to Eretz Yisrael and hear this from Reb Zeyre himself. Now, what's very interesting is I assume that this whole dialogue was happening in Eretz Yisrael already. You didn't see it. Wasn't he in Eretz Yisrael? I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Reb Abba, we learned about Masech Brachos that he taka made Aliyah to Eretz Yisrael. Reb Ami was in Eretz Yisrael. I don't know. Where was Reb Yitzchak Nafka? But they all have Rebbe. They're not Rav. They're Rebbe. So wasn't this already in Eretz Yisrael? So I don't know. Maybe he was saying that he would go maybe to where Reb Zera was. I don't know. Pashta says he, this fellow was saying maybe I will marry to go to Eretz Yisrael. But weren't they already in Eretz Yisrael? Anyways. So, so says this fellow, may I merit to go to Eretz Yisrael and hear this halacha from Reb Zera himself. Kisolik Lawson, when he went to Eretz Yisrael, Ashkechel Reb Zera, he found Reb Zera, Omar, and he said to Reb Zera. So this fellow said to Reb Zera, Omar Mar, halacha Reb Shimon. So did you uh, say that the halacha is taka like Reb Shimon, that we do not inspect mumin on Yom Tif Omar Le? And Reb Zera says, Lo'anam Mistavra. Look, it's not me. I, I don't, I didn't say that the Allah was like Reb Shimon. Rather, I'm a midiktani b'mas nisan Reb Shimon Omer kol shein mumo nikum yibod yomein zem muna muchan. Reb Zer says, look, my logic was the following. It says in the Mishnah that according to Reb Shimon, we don't look at mumin on Yom Tif. V'katoni lo b'brisa b'loshan chachomish ma'aminom mistavah kavosa. And then we add this other brisa where it said that according to the Chachamim, we don't look at Mumin, whether it was a Mum that was already there from before Yom Tif, or whether it was a Mum, in, a mum that got there on Yom Tif, we don't look at Mumin on Yom Tif, which Mimei, and that was said, quoted as the Chachamim, as we saw in the Avchaf Bavimud So Mimeile, that means, you know, if we're saying, we're treating Reb Shimon's opinion as the Chachamim's opinion, so Mimeile means that, that the Allah is like Reb Shimon. So that's why I said that the Allah is like Reb Shimon. Very, 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 very interesting stuff over there. Very, very interesting stuff over there. Very, 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 very interesting stuff over there. Because it also makes you think. I mean, it's already. A, I'm digressing, but you know, there's always the shaila of like, what exactly is the chacham? You know, because uh, I'm already digressing, but uh, you know, we we say halacha kista mishnah that the halacha is like an anonymous mishnah and. Uh, we've seen Rashi explain this to me that whenever the Allah, whenever Rebbe wanted you to know that the Allah was like a certain Tana, so he would just say it anonymously. Because, right, if, it, if you would say, for example, Reb Shimon says that the Allah is that you don't check out Mumin on Yom Tif, so then it says, well, if Reb Shimon says that, well, then what does everybody else say? The Allah must be like everybody else. But if you just say it sort of anonymously, so then nobody asks any questions. This is just the halacha. But we refer to it, Kiel, what's the anonymous uh, people in the Mishnah? Often we refer to it as the Rabbonon, the Chachamim. But Kiel, the Chachamim is really just a particular opinion, such as we just said, that when we said Chachamim in the Brisa from yesterday, it was really a reference to Reb Shimon. It was like, it's Kiel, says Reb Zera, like what Reb Zera is basically saying, is saying, look, Reb Shimon said that that the halacha is that we don't look at Mumin and Yom Tif, but that's just Reb Shimon. And then you say that, well, but Reb Yehuda argues, and Reb Yehuda, Reb Shimon, halacha Reb Yehuda, right? So it must be like Reb Yehuda. But we have a brisa though, that kind of refers to the Chacham, Reb Shimon's opinion as being the Chachamim's opinion, in order to Davka say that the halacha is like Reb Shimon. 
Because if we're saying it as the Chachamim, so Mimele, well, if it's the Chachamim, then it must, then that must be the Allah. And we're saying that it's Rab Shimon's opinion. So we're referring to the Rab Shimon as the Chachamim in this case. So Kilu. Anyways, I mean, you see it from time to time. Who is the Chachamim? This Tana. How could Chacham, which is plural, be a particular Tana? But Kilu, it could be the point is, Kilu, that sometimes when we want to say that the Allah is like a particular Tana, we'll refer to it as the Chachamim, as the opinion of the Chachamim, or as sort of an anonymous opinion, or, Anyways, I'm digressing. I might not be right, but um, it is very interesting, I mean, to think about sort of, right, when you have that Stam Mishnah to sort of give bulk to a certain a certain opinion over here, we see the opinion of Reb Shimon being the opinion of the Chachamim, and that's why Reb Zayr says, you see, that's how we know that even though in general we would pass him like Reb Yehuda, we're going to pass him like Reb Shimon because it's the Chachamim opinion. Anyways, what do you want me to tell you? Just the, musing, the musings of a nudnik. Do we look at mumin and yomtiv or don't we? Um, Rav Yosef says of Yosef Toshma. Uah. Says of Yosef, listen up. The Tayyab Ashley Ravave, that it's like, uh, uh, the, I don't know, hanging on, and, on, on, on very thick ropes. So Rabshim ben Pazi says the name of Rabshim ben Levi says the name of Yosem ben Shaul says the name of Rebbe, who says the name of the Kala Kadisha of Jerusalem. Rabshim ben Chaverov Amru that Rabshim ben which Rabshim ben Rabshim ben Menasio, Vachaverov and his Chaverov right. If we look at Rabshim ben Menasio's opinion from yesterday, says Harei Amru they said. So, so, so says, so, so the Kalakadisha of Yerushalayim, they're saying that Rabbi Shimon ben Menasya and the they said who he's talking about. So Rabbi Shimon ben of Amru, they, so, so, so they said, Halacha Kribmer. That the Halacha is like Kribmer. So the Kal, so the Kalakadisha of Yerushalayim is saying that Rabbi Shimon ben Menasya says that the Halacha is like Kribmer. Okay. Now, one second. Rav Yosef says, I don't understand. Amru, they said, right, the, the Kala this is a technical point, that the Kala Kadisha Yerushalayim was quoting Rav Shimon ben Menasya, but the Kala Kadisha Yerushalayim was much older than Rav Shimon ben Menasya. Rashi says that Rav Shimon ben Menasya was in Rebbe's generation. Now we see in this whole, right, um, who is it? Rav Shimon ben Pazi, Rav Shimon ben Levi, Rav Yosef ben Shal, says Rav Yehuda Anasi quoting the Kala Kadisha Yerushalayim. So the Kala Kadisha Yerushalayim was older than Rebbe. How could they be quoting Rabbi Shimon ben Manasseh, who was a contemporary of Rebbe? Okay, rather, what it means is that the uh, Kala Kadisha of Jerusalem, they were sort of not saying in the name of Rabbi Shimon ben Manasseh, but they were sort of quoting a younger Torah scholar, Rabbi Shimon ben Manasseh, as, as, as quoting Rabbi Meir's opinion. Okay, very technical. Okay, here we go. The Tanan, as we learn in the Mishnah, Hashoichet is a bechor. A fellow slaughters a bechor without showing it to an expert to see if it has a mum or not. Right? So in general, we would first show it to the expert, confirm that it has a mum kavua, a permanent mum, and only then slaughter it. But this fellow slaughtered the bechor before Showing it to the expert. And then afterwards, he showed the blemish to the um, expert. Okay. 
So he kind of did things out of order. Rebuda Matur, Rebuda says, okay, Beseder. Beseder, he did it out of order. He probably should have first sent it to the expert to have a look and only then slaughter it. But he didn't do that. He first slaughtered it and then he sent it to the expert. Not that big of a deal. Reb Meir Omer, whereas Reb Meir says, since he slaughtered it um, without first consulting the expert, Osir, you are not allowed to eat this um Bihor, you did things out of order. Amuksovir Mayor, so what does a mayor hold? Riyas Bihor Lab Kriyas Trefa. That the um uh, checking out the inspection of a Bihor is not like the inspection of a trefa. It's more stringent than the inspection of a trefa. If you have to check an animal to see if it's a trefa, to see if it has some kind of disease that it would not live for twelve months and therefore you're not allowed to eat it because it's trefe. So the checking of a bachor to check for a mum is more stringent than the checking for trephus. Re'iyaz bachor mechaim, that you have to um, check out, you have to inspect the bachor before slaughtering it. Re'iyaz trephus la'achor shechita, whereas you inspect the trephus after, um, you know, you first you slaughter it and only afterwards you check out for trephus. Umino, and then what do we see from there? The re'iyaz trephus, afilu biyomtiv, that now an additional, you know, we can, we can then um, um, extrapolate that an additional stringency would be that while you would be able to inspect a trefa on yomtif, riyaz b'chor me'erev yomtif, you would have to um, inspect a um, uh, um, b'chor from erev yomtif, not on yomtif. So we see that Reb Meir's opinion that, that right, that, um, that, if you first slaughter the bechor and only afterwards check it to send a, uh, have a check by an expert, so you're not allowed to eat it. That means that we're stringent by uh, bechor, and because we're stringent by bechor, so mamela then you would have to have it checked out for mumim before yomtiv, not on yomtiv. So we see that Reb Meir and Reb Shimon both agree that you would not check out. An animal for mumin, uh, a bechor for mumin on Yom Tif. Amle Abaye, Abaye says to Yosef, One second. Do you really think that the machlokas between Reb Meir and Reb Yehuda regarding if you, um, uh, first slaughter the animal, the bechor, and only then have it checked out for mumin, that Reb Meir says it's mutter, Reb Yehuda says it's oser, no, the opposite. Reb Yehuda says it's mutter, Reb Meir says it's oser, do you think that that is uh, about, can you check out Mumin or not? It's a matter of, do you find the fellow or not? It's a find. That says, the name of That when it comes to cataracts in the eye of the Bechor, everyone agrees, both Reb Meir and Reb Yehuda would agree that that would be also, that you wouldn't be able to get it checked out after the fact because it changes uh, when, between when it's alive and when it's dead. Kiplige, where they argue, is mumin shebaguf with mums in the body for like a broken leg or something like that. You know, something that is um, you know pretty clear already that right that it's a mum kavua. Um, says, look, just like you're not able to check out a, uh, a cataract after it's dead, you also can't check out these other mums after it's dead. 
Whereas Rabbi Yudha says that we don't make gezeras and, and, and it's fine. Even after the animal's dead, you could still check it out, right? So therefore, Rabbi Meir is really just, uh, he's not saying, you know, technically speaking, are you able to check out the mum of Bukhar after it uh, died? Technically speaking, yes, you can. But we penalize you, we, we fine you for not, you know, for, for jumping the gun, for not having it checked out in advance. And we say that because you didn't check it out in advance, you are not allowed. We treat it as if it was like a cataract and you're not allowed to check it out after the fact. We can also talk inferred from that Mishnah, the Ketani, as it, uh, as we taught. Um, also, that what does Reb Meir say? Reb Meir says, "Look, the reason why you're not allowed to eat this animal that this bechor that was first slaughtered and then checked for mumin was how come? Ho'il because because you went out of order, because you took things into your hands and slaughtered the animal before getting it checked out by an expert. Therefore, we're finding you essentially, and that's why because you went out of order. That is why." You're not allowed to get a check that after the fact. Not because api Allah you're not allowed to, but because you were a nudnik. That's why you're not allowed to. Shmamino knosu with the kakonish shmamino. So what do we see? We see memela that it is a fine, um, and, 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 and that's the whole thing, but it's not about, you know, can you check out mumin and things like that, that we can kind of say that Reb Meir and Reb Shimon agree that ainro and mumin be yomtif. No, that, that's not the point. It's about do you make a knas or not? Says the Gemara. That Ami Vardino, okay, he was the fellow who would check out the Bechors for the uh, house of, of the Nasi. And he would not check out the Bechors for Mums on Yom Tif. So they said to Rabbi Ami, Hey, what's the deal? Why is Ami Vardino apostling like Rib Shimon and not checking out Bukhors for Mums on Yom Tif? Omulu Rib Ami said to them, Shapir Ko'ovid to Lochazi, that he's Taka doing the right thing by not checking out these Bukhors on Yom Tif. Frekti Gemara Ini, is that really true that Rib Ami said that Ami Vardino was doing the right thing? By refraining from checking out the Bukhors on Yom Tif. Barabami himself would check out Bukhors on Yom Tif, which is interesting because earlier on in the Daf Taka we said that Rabbi didn't. So the Gemara says, look, Lemaisa Rabbi would actually check from Erev Yom Tif, he would check out the Bukhors. If Yom Tif Shayule Kamashail on Yom Tif, he would only ask follow up questions because in Erev Yom Tif, obviously Rabbi was very busy with all sorts of things. People would come with their bechores to check if it's a mum. And he would say, yes, it's a mum, but come back tomorrow. I have more questions that I need to ask you. Hey, have to find out some more details. Like a certain fellow, a certain Kohen who came to Rava on Erev Yom Tov. And when this fellow showed up, Rava was scrubbing his head. He was getting ready for Yom Tov. Rava looked up and saw the mum on the b'chor of this Kohen who came by. He says, okay, I see there's a mum. Come back tomorrow. When this Kohen came back the next day, 
Omelay says, tell me what happened. How did the animal get this mum? Omelay. So this Kohen responds, Well, there was a fence made out of thorns, and we had barley out on one side of the fence. And the animal, the Bechor, was on the other side of the thorn fence. And there was, you know, barley on one side, animal on the other, thorns in the middle. By the barley mechal, and when the animal went to chaparain from the from the barley, that was on the other side of the fence of the thorn fence. Ayoreshayu farte hutzalisivase. The animal picked up its head and got a split in its lip because of the thorns. The thorns split its lip, which would be considered a mum kavua. Omarlei. To which Rava says, wait, but one second, how do I know that you didn't cause this? Maybe you're responsible for this mum. Because after all, as Rashi points out, the Kohanim were suspect that maybe they would make mums in these animals because there's a pain in the neck. You would Basically, there would be a firstborn animal, you give it to the Kohen. Nowadays, there's no Besamikdash, the Kohen's got nothing to do with it, it's Kodshim. He can't eat it himself. He's just got to wait for it to get a mum. All along, he's feeding it and, you know, it's a headache for him. So the Kohanim are suspect that maybe they do things in order for the animals to generate mums so that they could slaughter them and eat them. So therefore, Rava, basically what was happening is, Rabbi Rava, what they would say is, on Arab Yom Tif, they would look and ascertain, sure, it's a mum, but they would nonetheless say, I want you to come back on Yom Tif. I have more follow-up questions for you. As we see with Rava, he says, tell me what happened. The guy says, look, there was barley on one side of a thorn fence, and the animal was on the other side of a thorn fence. The animal went to get the barley and, and got a mum. To which Rava says, so how did, maybe you did this on purpose? In order for it to get a mum, Amalei lo, and this fellow says, "No, I didn't. I didn't set set it up. It just happened that way." also. And now the Gemara says, "Wait, but who says that grama? Who says that causing something to happen is actually a problem uh, when it comes to mumin?" Right? also. And and let's say the coin did set it up. Let's say the coin put out some barley on this side of the fence. The animal was on the other side of the fence. And, you know, one thing led to the next and the animal got a mum. So is that, even if the guy sets it up intentionally, is that the guy's fault? It's what's called a grama. He didn't directly cause a mum in the animal. He put some barley out and one thing led to the next. And in the end, the animal got a mum, but he didn't do it directly. Who says that that's a problem? The Tanya. So the Gemara answers, well, because we learn in Abraisa, mum lo yiye bo. That there shouldn't be a mum in it. All I know is that I shouldn't give it, I shouldn't cause it directly to get a mum. How do I know that I shouldn't even cause for it to get a mum? How do I know that I shouldn't just take some dough or some, some good geschmacke figs and put it on the bachor's ears so that a dog should come and bite off the animal's ear? Very creative. Well, because the post doesn't just say mum lo yebo, it says kolmum lo yebo. It says that there shouldn't be any mum. And kol comes to include that you also shouldn't cause the animal to get a mum. You shouldn't just like cover its ear in geschmack stuff so that a dog will come and bite off its ear. That would not be very nice. And it also would be a groma, something so it would be causing it to become a mum. Uh, to get a mum, and, and that's not okay. Says the next Mishnah, If you have an animal that dies, don't move it. It's muktzah. 
And there was a story with Reb Tarfin that they asked Reb Tarfin about this question about an animal that dies on Yom Tov, can you move it? And what about when you have Chala that becomes Tomei? I guess, can you move that either? Right, because there's nothing to do with challah that becomes tummy. You can't, you can't burn it. You can't on yom tif, You can't do anything with it. So, so v'nichmas the beis hamedrash. Reb Tarfin went to the beis hamedrash v'shal and he asked v'armulo and they said to him lo yazizam imkomam. Do not move the animal. Do not move the challah tmeya from uh, their place. Okay, sounds like fun. Says the Gemara lema tnan stomad lo kurab shimin. So let's say that if the emission is saying that when an animal dies, it's essentially muksa, you can't move it. So it sounds like it's not like Rib Shimon. The Tanya is willing to buy Rib Shimon Omer. Says Rib Shimon, You can cut up gourds before an animal. And you can cut up animal carcass in front of dogs. So what do we see? We see that Rib Shimon says you're allowed to cut up, cut up an animal carcass. So Mimele, it's not muksa. And our mission is saying you're not allowed to move this animal, which means that it is muktzah. Rabbi Yudah Omer says Rabbi Yudah Em Lohais and Evel Meir of Shabbos Asura that if this, you know, if if the animal was already dead before Shabbos, so then then Rabbi Yudah says, look, it's not muktzah. You, you know, the animal was already dead when Shabbos started. You can feed it to the dogs, fine. But Rabbi Shimon says that if the animal dies, uh, but Rabbi Yudah says if the animal dies on Shabbos, you cannot feed the nevela to the dogs. Rabbi Shimon says that you can. Our mission says that if an animal dies, you're not allowed to move it. So Mimele, Rib Shimon would disagree with that, which means that our mission is not like Rib Shimon, Afilutema Rib Shimon. You can even say that our mission is Rib Shimon. So why does the mission say you're not allowed to move the Nevela? I thought Rib Shimon says you are, that Nevela is usable, you can feed it to dogs. Well, when Rib Shimon says that you're allowed to feed an animal to the dogs, that's an animal that was about to die anyways. When Shabbos started, so you kind of were expecting it to die. But an animal that was completely healthy when Shabbos started, you had no expectation that it would die. And therefore, even Rav Shimon would say that it's Muktzah. And therefore, when our Mishnah says that you're not allowed to move a dead animal on Shabbos or on Yom Tif, that is that could even be Rav Shimon because it's talking about an animal that was completely healthy when Shabbos began. And you had no intention that it was going to die. So this makes sense. According to my bar Meimar in the name of Rava the Amar who said, So says my bar Meimar in the name of Rava that Rib Shimon would admit that when you have an animal that's completely healthy when Shabbos begins and then it dies on Shabbos, it's going to be Asur. So we could say that our, that this Mishnah is talking about when it was completely healthy when Shabbos started, and that's why you're not allowed to move it. Or when Yom Tov started. But according to my brother of Yosef, in the name of Rav, who said, that Rav Shimon would even disagree when it came to animals that were fully healthy when Shabbos began. That you'd be allowed to feed them to uh, right, 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 that they're not muksa, you could do whatever you want with them. Even when they're completely healthy. Well, if that's the case, so then how come our Mishnah, is, so if our Mishnah is saying that you're not allowed to move this animal that died on Yom Tif, so Mimele can't be Rib Shimon, because Rib Shimon, according to, um, according to, 
my bread of Yosef according to Shimon, any animal that dies on Shabbos or on Yom Tif is mutter. So then why would the Mishnah say you're not allowed to move it? My ikalamema, what are you going to say? So Tirgum is the ear bebemas So Ziri says, well, you could say that our mission over here is talking about animals of kodshim that died. That if you have an animal that was kodshim, that was a, that was a korban, and it died on Shabbos or on Yom Tif, you can't move it because there's nothing that you can do to it. And even Reb Shimon would agree with that. Dekanamin, you can also imply that, you know, we can also infer from our Mishnah that actually this animal is talking about an animal of kodshim. Dekatani alei, alei avalachalosh nitmes. Because the, our Mishnah lists um, this animal that died right next to truma shenitmes. Chala shenitmes. Machala de Kadisha, just like Chala is Kadosh, because Chala is basically a type of truma. Sabbehema de Kadisha, so we're also talking about an animal that is, um, holy, an animal of Kachim, and that's why we're saying that if it dies, you're not allowed to move it, and, um, and even Reb Shimon would agree with that. At the time of the Kadisha, Hadukhulin Sharia, okay, but now, what's the inference? The inference is that the reason why you're not allowed to move this animal is because it was kadosh, because it was it was it was it was it was an animal of kachim, implying that if it wasn't kachim, you would be allowed to move it no matter what. This makes sense according to my brother of Yosef in the name of Ravid the Amar who said that according to. My brother of Yosef, in the name of Rava, that Reb Shimon would say that even by healthy animals that died on Shabbos, their mutter too, right, their mutter. So that makes sense because our Mishnah is saying that we're specifically saying that an animal that was kachim that dies, you're not allowed to move. But any other animal that dies, whether it was healthy, whether it wasn't, you would be allowed to move it. But according to my bar Meimar, the name of Rava says that according to Reb Shimon, if an animal was completely healthy before Shabbos and then it died on Shabbos, it would be Osir with a Ma'ikah Lememar. Then what do you do with our Mishnah? Because our Mishnah is implying that specifically an animal of Kachim you're not allowed to move. But any other animal you would be allowed to move. So So you could say, no, our Mishnah is Davka talking about an animal that was misukenes. Um, it was like, it was sick when Shabbos started. When Shabbos was coming in, it was already sick. And then you made it and then you made it uh, kajim. And because you made it kajim, that's why when it dies, you're not allowed to move it. But um, if it wasn't kajim, then you would be allowed to move it because um, since it was in, it, it was, it was, it was, you know, very sick and, and deathly ill. So you had intention that it, that it, it would, you know, it could die and that, um, and that you'd be feeding it to the dogs. So it could even make sense according to um, my bar Meymar in the name of Rava. Who would say that um, if the animal was healthy when Shabbos uh, started and then died on Shabbos, uh, it would be muktza? But our uh, mission is specifically talking about an animal of kachim that was um, that was already deathly ill, and the reason why you're not allowed to move it is because um, it was kachim. But if it wasn't kachim, you would be allowed to move it because it was already deathly ill. And finally, we get to the last mission of the daf. You can't 
join on an animal but you can join on an animal before Yom Tif and then divide it up meaning if it's Yom Tif and you wake up and say you know what I want to have a uh, lamb for lunch today so you go to the Shaykhit with a few friends and you say hey everybody let, let, let's all get in on a lamb right and the Shaykhit will will slaughter the lamb for you and divide it up and do everything but obviously he's going to want to get paid so says the Mishnah, So you shouldn't really, you know, just, just, you know, you shouldn't, uh, you're not allowed to. The Gemara is going to explain maybe what you can do, but the Mishnah says, you know, Pashtas is you're not allowed to, you know, show up with your friends at the Shaykhit uh, on Yom Tif and say, hey, can you slaughter us an animal uh, and divide it up for us? Because there's, there's the the simple uh, assumption is that there's some monetary implications there, because you're going to have to divide up the payment. But, of course, what you could do is from before Yom Tif, you can all get together and go to the Shochet and say, look, tomorrow can you slaughter for us an animal? And in advance, you already set everything up. You know, who's going to get what and how much it's going to cost. And then on Yom Tif, the, the Shochet can slaughter it and divide it up based on what they um, had agreed upon in advance. So what does it mean that on Yom Tif we don't... Um, Joined together to slaughter an animal. We don't want to start setting up monetary things on Yom Tif, right? So if you have a few friends that go to the, to, to the Shochet and says, look, can you slaughter for us a, a, a lamb? And they say, look, you know, I want $20 of this and he wants $30 of that. And, you know, this costs this much and that costs that much. That, 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 that we don't want to do on Yom Tif. Hey, what can you do? Amarav says, Rab, maybe what, what, what can happen is that the slaughterer, the shochet, can bring two sheep that are like the same everything, same size, same weight, same everything, put them right next to each other. But Omer, Zokazo, and say, look, these are both essentially the same animal. Let's go, um, and then the next day, basically, you know, based, you know, you can pull out the animal that's still alive, and based on what happened the day before, you can kind of figure out you know, meaning after Yom Tov, you can kind of figure out who owes what. Tan Namiyachi, we also learn in the Bible like this, A fellow shouldn't say to his friend, look, you know, I'm, I'm down to pay this amount or that amount for the, for the meat. But what he can do is he can give non-monetary amounts. So for example, he can say, look, I'll take a quarter of the animal or a third of the animal or a half of the animal. And then like that, after the fact, they can go in and figure out how much that would cost. Friends, that was Daf Chov Zayin of Masechta Beit. So the Daf started off. We were uh, wrapping up our discussion about can we say that there is or isn't Muktzah for part of Shabbos or Yom Tif. We tried to bring a proof from uh, cooking beans on Yom Tif that it goes through a period where it's Muktzah but then becomes non-Muktzah again. We said, look, you can't bring proofs from that because everybody, when Shabbos comes in, their chicken soup is boiling hot and is unedible at that point, but it's not considered Muktzah. Then we got in once again to the um, question of new, so, so can you inspect Bechoris on Yom Tif? We saw with, um, um, Nasiya that he had a Bechor and Yom Tif, they wanted to get checked out. Nobody wanted to check it out for him. Rabbi Ami didn't want to check it out. Rabbi Yitzchak didn't want to check it out. Rabbi Yad Rabbi Zerika was saying, wait, but shouldn't Allah be like Rabbi Yudu says that we do check it out? They said that Rabbi Meir says like Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Yosef then wanted to say that we pass him like Rabbi Shimon because, um, because both Reb Meir, I don't know what just happened. Reb Yehuda says you don't check it out. Reb, you do check it out. Reb Meir says you don't. Now Reb Yosef wanted to say that we pass on the Reb Shimon because also Reb Meir is like that. Abai says no. Okay. And then we saw basically what we saw at the end was essentially that Reb Ami 
And Rava would not check out Mumin on Yom Tif. They would check it out before Yom Tif and then ask follow-up questions on Yom Tif. Okay. Then we um, said that if you have a uh, animal that dies on Yom Tif, you can't move it around. Um, we wanted to say that maybe this would have to be Rabbi Yehuda, who says that Nevela is is Muktza, but Rabbi Shimon would say that you are allowed to move around Nevela, as we said that you're allowed to feed it to dogs. Uh, but we could say that the Mishnah is even Rabbi Shimon because the, um, that we could say that it's talking about an animal that was, uh, Kodshim. That's why it's Muktsu when it dies. And finally, we got a, a Mishnah that says that if you want to sort of divide up an animal to eat on Yom Tif, to slaughter and to sh- divide up with your friends on Yom Tif, make sure that you don't get into monetary matters on Yom Tif. You should work that out either before Yom Tif or on Yom Tif, you know, talk about things like a quarter, a half, and a third. Don't talk about how much money you're going to spend. Friends, that was the Afchav Zayn. Of Mesechta Beitza. I hope you enjoyed it. Cheers.